Hey, I'm Lynn Rogala. And I'm Allie Diliberto, and we are coming to you from the ladies' room. So we can talk about removing stupid, frustrating, and toxic shit from the world in a way that's not prim enough for the dinner table. Okay, welcome back to the ladies' room. Ta-da! Ta-da! We are here. We are. I am. And you're even home. I know we had a really good visit with the doctor and then we got permission to like rush home for a few days. And that was really good because I don't think packing was possible without me, but we'll save that for the second about the unseen work of women. (laughs) (laughs) And this is actually the scene work of women. Like why is no one (laughs) no one else is able to put something in a box? Why is this? (laughs) You know, I was thinking today, okay, uh, sure. we're going to talk about flirting and how much we love men, but I do have to say, tell one of my pet peeves is the, the, the iconic thoughtless male is the toilet seat up. Um, but I don't consider that to be the iconic thing. Plus at my house, I insist everyone put the lid down. Like it's equal. We all put the lid down because when you flush the toilet with the lid up, it just sprays it like aerosols, whatever's in the toilet all over the whole house. So I'm a big, mm-hmm. like, put the lid down and then flush. But I yeah, think- John's really the, into that, but I ignore him constantly. Uh, <laughs> I think the iconic male thoughtlessness thing is the unchanged toilet paper tube. Because to me, and this is just my story, but I'm sticking to it, that communicates, like, I know I'm not going to need it next time. Like, I just used it. I'm probably going to pee next time, so I don't need to change it. Whereas every time we go, we need a little paper. So to me, that's the ultimate thoughtlessness. Like, I don't need it next time. So I'm not going to change it. You asshole. So whenever I'm complaining about John, you should remember, everyone listening can remember that my husband's like the toilet, the toilet paper, like, uh, like if it's low, even low, like there's another roll brought out and put behind the toilet. Like he... is never and I'm probably actually more like uh I'm in a hurry I just peed I'm not going to pee again for a minute uh I'll get some toilet paper when I come back in so you are the now you think I am awful it's true yeah you are Damn. but all right but you're the one anymore. probably who has to deal with the impact if you don't change it till the next time plus there's usually well at my house you know there's like tissues within reach so the crisis of no toilet paper would only last for a second Yeah. And at my house, there's paper within reach. But I remember when Riley was, I don't know, four years old and she changed the toilet paper roll on her own. And I was like, I know boys and girls develop at different rates, but this puts her above most college age guys that I know. So way to go. (laughs) Good job, Riley. Also, like, I mean, I'm staying somewhere where my husband isn't. So, you know, like while I'm away taking care of Peggy in Utah, like he's been in Montana most of the time. And I, one night I was like, why isn't there an extra roll of toilet paper? He always leaves one. And I realized he's been gone for so long that that's why. So yeah, I do re- really rely on him for that. See, it's like the, it's like Eric with the hard boiled eggs. I don't know. Such how a to good thing. Them. You taught me to flirt. Yeah. Yes. This is a really yes. good point. Okay. You go, but distinguish the hard boiled egg thing. Cause it's such a good story about marriage. And we've talked about it on the podcast before where, um, I don't have to store it. Yeah. I don't yeah, we store, store things it. in I each other's store, brains. Yeah, I store a pointer to Eric's brain. Like, if you Google my brain, and it's how do you make hard-boiled eggs, it just says, see, Eric. 
So maybe like my husband started out like really bad at packing. Like when we first were packing his apartment when we were getting married, he would fill boxes like halfway full and then like tape them shut. And I was like, what's happening? And he's like, I don't want it to get too heavy. And I'm like, and it was like a little box. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So um, maybe when he's packing, he literally like off was like, oh, thank God. And just offloaded that into my brain. Maybe. But that's I'll give him a little physical. extra credit. Yeah, I'm glad we connected with how much you love the toilet paper thing so that the packing thing becomes less annoying. And we can talk about learning. Irritating. <laughs> yes. And also, I just have to tell this because it's funny. Um, I wanted all his shirts, like his t-shirts, so I could use them to wrap like delicate things and stuff in the kitchen. And he couldn't understand. Like, he's like, you're pretty much done with the bedroom. I got a box here to put my shirt and shirts in. I'm like, no, I want the shirts. And I had to explain it like three times because he just couldn't understand. Like, is this something people do? Right. I'm like, shirts? Yes. yes, it is. Shirts go kitchen box? What? <laughs> Why is this happening? Am I going to get them back? Are they going to be washed? Like, his brain was a little like shocked by that. When I packed the oh. living room, I packed a bunch of blankets. And then I realized, oh no, I'm not going to pack a box of blankets. I'm going to pull all the blankets out and use them to wrap some other stuff. Yeah. Perfect. It's been forever since I packed, so I had to think of that. But we were going to talk about flirting. Yes. And it's good timing in my life for two reasons. One is, you know, I've been apart from my husband and we're in, I mean, we're in so much stress. Like you reminded me while I was bitching about the packing last night that husband, like families who, for sure, this is not what we're going through, but families who lose a child often end up divorced because they lose their support system. They're they're each other's primary support system and they both people are in crisis. And that's some for sure of what's going on with us. And so the timing thinking about when we fell in love and when I knew how to flirt a little and all that stuff, like it's good timing for that reason. And then my um, best friend just started dating after being divorced for two years. So I think she's like four years outside of flirting and, um, she was texting me like, what should I say when he said, what do you want to do tomorrow? And I was like, and she's like, you know, I want to eat dinner or this or that. I'm like, no, no, <laughs> even I yeah. know from the little bit I learned about flirting. This is not, this is not good. <laughs> and she's, so and you're like, in kind of a good time to talk about flirting. A, a blind leading the blind kind of situation because we it's put you in that. like crash course remedial flirting just enough to catch a husband. And then whatever <laughs> stayed. Um, and we were talking before we started the podcast about also part of why flirting was such a challenge for you is that for a long time, you weren't allowed to play like in your own yes. mind that um, play because play is an essential. And you know what? We should talk about, um, oh, am I getting her name right? Uh, Beaver Anderson, Allison Anderson. Is it Allison Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that the right name? Allison Anderson? We have to always um, give a plug for PAX and her organization. Um, yeah. Whenever we but talk about it. It's such an important, so I think let's weave it into the conversation, but her, her distinction of like the three roles of a woman um, is really important in the flirting conversation. I think it's important in every conversation, but it's really important, important in the flirting conversation. And you just said that your friend was four years out of flirting but they've been married for a really long time. So I would be surprised if she was way more than that out of flirting too. 
because I feel um, like they did a good amount of flirting when they were married more than okay. most couples yeah because um, normally like inside the roles of women we put that that role on the shelf the playful what she calls the temptress but think about the friend I'm talking about and how easily she laughs like she yes one of my favorite things about her and when I realized she was probably like a way better parent than I was ever going to be was when I realized like she laughs with her kids all the time and she's and I was like oh I should laugh more with my kids because that is really part of just the easy access joy um and you also have to be able to like fall in love with men which for sure you super love men um but you were reframing a lot of the behaviors that I was seeing when I was dating as delightful instead of like super annoying and weird and I love too that you listen to her laugh and then think like you know pull out your phone and be like remind me at 4 p.m tomorrow to laugh with my kids yeah (laughs) how dare you but yeah pretty much was like that yeah and I'm (laughs) I'm also a very playful mom too. Like I'm literally a playful mom. Like Riley and I love to play video games together and we've, we play together more now that she's older than we did even when she was little. Like I can remember (laughs) when she was really tiny. I used to, I mean, I, when she was a baby and stuff and she couldn't really play by herself, of course I played with her, but there were times when I think like, Oh, I should probably play with her more. And I remember sitting down with her one time and she had her dolls and then she gave me this dead serious look like you, you kind of have to know my kid she's always serious as a heart attack about everything and she looks at me <laughs> and she goes mommy I, I kind of just want to play by myself right now I'm like okay great because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really want to play dolls anyway because dolls is boring so but she was deep in some internal story um but yeah I'm a very playful mom too like we we play we literally play games together and um and I remember when she took the forum for young people and they were talking about discovering your parents. And she just said, um, she turned to me and she said, mommy, I just realized how funny of a person you are. I'm like, damn straight. <laughs> Mommy's fucking hysterical. <laughs> I'm really but, glad you're finally getting it. Right. You're finally getting it. And now that she's a little older um, and the playfulness of me is less, there's less static with me as a mom. Now that she's a teen, right. um, we play together a ton. So I think it's really interesting because I'm thinking about like the timing of my life when I was learning to flirt. So there's like all these things kind of converging. So first, I kind of want to say I really didn't learn to flirt, even in in like a normal way, because my parents got divorced when I was 14. They and I went directly and I got I got sexualized to some things at that age that like were really negative about men and even my dad. And like, my dad is a wonderful person. I mean, really genuinely, I'm like, it was a total daddy's girl. But like when, after my parents were divorced, they found some like condoms in his, you know, like bathroom. And I was like, hysterical, you know, like hysterical. I was like, men are just assholes, you know? Like, I don't even know where all that stuff came from, but that happened. And then I'd be, I was kind of in crisis, like, my grandma died the next year. Like my moved twice, like that age where like you're playing with your girlfriends and doing a lot of that. Like I was adulting and I had younger brothers who I was doing a lot of, you know, I, I would like just skipped a lot of that, but then I became a Christian and there was all the messaging, which we'll save for a whole nother podcast. Cause we have, I mean, we have probably a lot of good stuff to say about that. But it was that if a guy looks at you and you've done something 
um, that you've done something wrong if a guy looks at you and, and looks at you sexually. And then there was also the whole like I kiss dating goodbye thing going on in the oh, church. Yeah, yeah. Which was super, there was things good about the fact that I didn't, you know, like I probably would have gone a little crazy, but um, I literally didn't even date until I was in my early 20s. I didn't have my first kiss until I was almost 22. So, you know, it's pretty... I was pretty conservative when I got married and hadn't had, I hadn't had a lot of experience even ever flirting. And there was a lot of messaging about how it was bad. So while I was and unpacking wait, that, I was, wait, before you go on, before you go on, I want to go back a little bit because I do wonder like for sure the, I kiss dating goodbye and the messages from the church is a big part of it, but I do wonder what the difference was because, and I wonder if it's because you ended up with your dad um, because my parents were divorced when I was like eight or nine. And um, I was basically like, I, I don't want to say the wife because there was like nothing weird about it, but as far as like, <laughs> right. you know, my mom's helper, like, you know, making the dinner and doing the laundry. Like I remember when I moved to college and everyone was bitching about doing their laundry and I'm like, hooray, I only have to do my own laundry because from the time I was 10, I did all of the laundry. Um, and you know, kind of being like, she used yeah. to joke, like she, she would come home and say, you know, I really need a wife because there wasn't anyone at the house tending the home. And so I had some of that role. She did a pretty good job of not giving me all of the role. And I only had one younger sibling and my grandma lived kind of nearby, but I do wonder how much of it was the parents divorce, or maybe it's if you ended up with your dad versus your mom. Um, and also here's the other thing. My mom loved men, like part of where I get the love of men is my mom loved men too. Like she was, and that makes us sound a certain way. And it's not like, <laughs> you know, on the street corner swinging a thing, like we just <laughs> really enjoy um, men. And my mom has two brothers and they're my favorite uncles. And I think that's part of it too. But like, she, just like me always had a million men like floating around her. Like every, when she was, you know, in her dating period, everybody yeah. wanted to date her. Right. Um, and so, and so she, she, but also your mom was dating me. when you were yeah. a, a teenager. Right. And so like you were talking about, you know, discovering stuff about your dad and having it shut down. But my mom actually taught me, like, I remember actually, she used to take us out. Um, she always took us out for dinner on our birthdays. And um, as we got older, she took us to nicer, nicer places. And then when we turned 16, she took us to like a legit fancy you know, food right. comes out under, under the little, what are those things called? The little metal things. What are they called? I can't think. Um, I no but you know, where they like pull up the shoot now, it's yeah. bug me, but whatever, you know what I'm talking about. And, um, part of that was how to behave in a nice yeah. restaurant, but part of it was how to behave on a date. And she even told mm. me about some of the unwritten rules. Like, um, she said one time that she didn't drink and, um, she would order dessert and she said women would kind of give her the side eye because like, <laughs> you're not supposed to run up the check. And she's like, listen, my piece of cake <laughs> is half of your two drinks. So shove it, you know, but um, <laughs> she, and, and so, you know, it was the eighties. So some of the rules don't apply. Like they're not the rules I would pass on to Riley, but she did teach us a lot about like how to order and how to make sure you're not ordering the most expensive thing and how to be a good, a good date and kind and, you know, all. So she actually taught me, Right. So I don't know. I wonder, like, I don't know if the divorce is so much about it so much as that you ended up with your dad rather than your mom. But I think that also, or maybe it's just because my mom was right? a great flirt. I wasn't, 
I was like in the middle of, you know, becoming a teenager while my parents were getting divorced and separated. And I think my own parents messaging, like neither of my parents, like my dad maybe dated a tiny bit before we went to live with him. But like, I, I don't think my dad's really ever dated. And my mom, I'm sure has never dated again since their divorce. And that was more than well over, you know, gosh, maybe almost 30 years ago now. So yeah. th- certainly my own parents in that space and their, how, you know, how all that went was certainly part of it. My mom, when I was raising, when my girls became teenagers, like watching some of her comments about what they were doing with their body and some of those kinds of things, like that probably filtered a lot of it into it too. But the church gave me a place to hide and promoted, um, like I hid all my fear about marriage and relationships and I got to be the good girl by not right. dating and not flirting. Yeah, and I, how ha- I, almost, I have tons of friends that were guys. And my first husband would say like, you know, it's such a great thing. Cause you're like one of the, you're a girl, but you're one of the guys, you know? And now right. I want to like punch somebody in the face if they said, right. That yeah. That's a slap. That's a backhanded slap. Yeah. You're a girl, but not too much. You're, you're a woman, but not the annoying kind of woman. Um, True. And I will say like, I love work probably more than play. But one of the things, like, if I'm like, oh, I could have a whole afternoon just to work on anything I loved, or I could have an afternoon to like screw off, like I'm probably going to pick the first thing. So there's probably some of those things in just my wiring and what I really enjoy. But yeah, I and also, I would play. I would absolutely would play. play. Mm-hmm. There would be no question, unless I drug you into working on play together. Well, yeah, I mean, so or for playing me, at work when, together. Yeah, when work, when like I would that's so interesting because it's, it's starting to enter into the conversation too, even about like work and play losing the distinction between them. Because if I'm engaged or absorbed in something, like I was just telling Riley the other day when I was a kid or not even in flow, but just interested. Um, Mm. when I was a kid, did you guys do the riff? The reading is fundamental. Did you do that? No. Okay. I don't even know what that is. It's so fantastic it's this thing to promote kids reading. And, um, a couple times a year they raise money. It's not some kind of nonprofit thing. And a couple times a year, they would fill the library with brand new books and you could go in and just pick one. You just go and get a book. Um, which was so, I mean, and we would wander around. It was like a bookstore, like stacks and stacks. Was this in your childhood or Riley's? Mine. Okay. And I mean, we got like free pizzas at pizza hut for reading enough. Well, one of the nobody gave that, me a book. <laughs> Riff, Riff would give books out a couple times a year. Um, but one of the ways they would raise money is they would have readathons, which was also to encourage kids to read. So you would take your little pledge sheet around, you know, I'm going to read for three <laughs> hours or whatever, and your, right. your family would pledge. And I was like, wait, what's the catch? I get to get out of class and go read in the library for three hours. What's the catch? What's the catch? Right. What, what um, is happening here? Yeah. So a lot of my play. I don't know. Is it play? Is it work? Like I love to just read and, and binge new right. stuff. So it's true. Anyway. And it's purest form. Like it merges all together, but I was not doing a lot of play. And like, there was a lot of just crisis management. And I think that in my first marriage, my husband was just like, I mean, even before we met people called him captain chaos and I, and the chaos got really out of control, like at toward the end of our marriage. And I responded to that by like clamping down and trying to control everything. So once we were divorced, I was like, 
I am fun. There's a lot of shit I like to do. And I also now would bring the language to it that I'm good at galvanizing fun and dragging people into like really stupid activities that they would never do. And I love that place around playing. Like at the same kind of time in my life, like I gave everybody out, you know, one night, like $20 in an envelope and wrote this whole like thing about how we are going to do this challenge. We went to this like arcade called Nicola play. So whoever could get the most points and we set a timer, like most tickets won, and then somebody had to eat something gross, but my kids, you know, all of the kids still talk and their friends that were there, like still talk about those kinds of stupid things. And I was a youth volunteer with, you know, high school youth ministry for like 10 years. Like I was really good at that kind of stuff. Like I'm going to conspire something ridiculous and everybody's going to do it. And I love that kind of fun and play, but I didn't have that as like fun and goofy until this time, same time of my life. And I was also, we talked about landmarks last time and I was doing the wisdom course, which is my favorite part of landmark and not my, my least favorite. Yeah. <laughs> but Move the, so slow, boring. <laughs> the wisdom course is the possibility of play fun and ease. Like that's the whole thing. And it's, you know, like a year long course. And I got just amazing things in my life out of it. And so I was really unpacking play. Um, while Lynn was teaching me to flirt. So maybe part of that's part of why I didn't like wisdom because I already know how to play and I thought their games were dumb. <laughs> a lot of their games were really dumb. I think too, like I did wisdom in another town. Like I flew to California to do it and I got like adopted by this group of people who are super different than me. And like, you know, like we went, we were on a vacation thing at one point and they all dressed up like mermaids and did all this stupid stuff. And so like, they were always doing something like they made little outfits to do things together and like just silly, stupid stuff. And so that probably really enhanced my experience of my wisdom course in a way that it would probably not have been the same experience without those people. Yeah. I mean, my, I did get a big takeaway from it, which is I decided to stop playing games that I think are dumb. And that was a yeah. huge breakthrough in my life. I don't I mean, it really, really, really was a big deal. I'm like, why really don't you just was. leave? Because I already was like, I don't know if it's stupid. I'm not doing it. Like if the person's stupid, I'm not following them. So I, you know, like I just zoned out of stuff I didn't like and took away what I did like, which is kind of how I normally yeah, operate. Yeah. So you, you learned how to play and I learned how to decline games that I think are stupid. See, so there was still the a breakthrough there. Better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, but so, you also had a thing where you weren't really allowed to play and have fun. Like there was something not yeah. safe in it. And if Which you're not, when you made that blend for me too, right? The close your eyes. Close my close your eyes. I mean, for sure, play if it required me to be vulnerable was totally out of the question. And I don't know. Like there was certainly some kind of hyper vigilance involved, but there was something I've never been you know, abused in any way sexually, no man has ever hit me or anything like that. But like, there was just some kind of like, this programming or something I adopted where like, I mean, a lot of I mean, we've talked about this one, like how so many women in the church get married and wait until they get married to have sex. And then they're like, can't like, it's been turned yeah, they can't, off for so long. Yeah, they can't turn off like, sex was bad before, but now it's okay. Like, well, like I was talking about, even with COVID where I practiced 
Last year I practiced, I'm only safe at home so vigorously that now I feel like I'm only safe at home and I'm almost afraid to travel. Like travel is causing all that because apparently it's not over yet. Yeah, it's true. So maybe (laughs) need the lesson to stay. Um, But let's, let's create before we go any farther, because I want to use this terminology, um, the Allison Anderson packs the three, the three states of a woman. Um, Do you want to talk about it? Or do you want me to? Um, First, I want to say something else totally random about play and about you. Yeah. So, because you alluded to me blowing everything off, but you held space for me and you giggled at me and laughed and enjoyed. Like I started taking salsa lessons and like I was doing all these things and I was like, I don't know, I'm going to play instead of doing some other work crap tonight. And like, you would just laugh and like enjoy and be like, I'm always going to tell you to go play. And I remember like talking to you about like, I'm going to work in another town, but I'm going to bring my dancing shoes. Like, I mean, I'm terrible at dancing still, but I was packing my house um, and I packed my dance shoes and I was like, oh, I haven't packed my dance shoes in like so long since before COVID. And now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pack my, and also there's no Hispanic culture in Montana at all. So like, even if it wasn't (laughs) COVID, there'd be no Latin dancing. Um, but I was like, speaking of bad Mexican, I could probably do that. And it was such a sweetness because you used to just laugh and be like, that was like a theme in my life at that part of time, just the playing and bringing play along with me and embracing it and all that stuff. Yeah. We were talking before we started recording about, um, how we used to voice memo each other. And during this period of your life, I had never, (laughs) ever known you to blow off anything and you were blowing stuff off to go dancing. And I can remember sending you a voice memo where I just started laughing not you were like, sitting down on the corner on one I was walks bent over you were on the corner yeah and I could laughing I was but not like hysterical laughter but like joyful just laughter joy. like it it yeah. wasn't funny like I wasn't laughing like something was funny and I couldn't breathe but I just couldn't like it was almost like some like the laughing you have when someone's tickling you and you can't but isn't this the breath. time you described like feeling like a mom on the porch and the girls like out playing in the mud and just in her best dress, like trumping yeah. all around. And you're like, get it girl. Like it was like that. Yeah. Well, but there were two, right? Like there were, we, that was, that conversation came later because at first it was just like, go play and have fun and delightful. But then you started to get a little bratty about it. And so it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, come in now, Allie, it's time to stop playing in the mud. And you're like sitting on the porch, a little petulant, <laughs> like, no, like, no, it is no. time to come inside. It's dinner time. You have to take a bath and you know, you still have to eat your dinner. Like, mm-mm. no, mm-mm. it's mud time. I, I don't play. <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, there was, I saw, there was I saw a meme on, I think Facebook this week where it was an orangutan mom and she was dragging her baby by one arm. Like they'd been playing <laughs> and the baby didn't want to leave. And, um, she was dragging and the baby was literally like flat on his back and she was just dragging him by his arm. And someone's oh like, this God. is every toddler mom. Like, you give two yep. bucks that they're like, you're, yes, you are done playing. And here's what's happening. <laughs> Time <laughs> like, to go. Oh, that crosses awesome. species. And so you were kind of like, you kind of got into that, but no, it was really delightful because you were just playing and enjoying and just having fun. And I don't even remember why you started salsa dancing, but at first, weren't you like annoyed that no, you it was better at it or like I made a deal with one of my, my friend whose wedding I met John at she 
um, I made her a deal that if she did the landmark forum, she would get over her fear of public speaking. And if she did that, I would learn to dance. And so, cause she had been inviting me and inviting me out to play. She was in my divorce care group. And, um, I was always like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I was so inhibited and just terrified. And so finally, like, even my play was like, had to be a salsa lesson. It couldn't just be like, right. Salsa yeah, dancing, but structured. That's why there I, had to be a point. Yeah. So she did the forum. She's off speaking like the next weekend at some event, like, oh, I've just got over my fear of public speaking. So I had to get over my fear of dancing. So that's why I started going salsa dancing. Yeah. But at first it still had to have a point. If I remember, weren't you frustrated about like not learning the steps or, or like, I think you even one time where, okay, it's been a few years. So I'm having trouble dredging it up, but like you were irritated that you didn't learn any new steps or that this one step was like you hadn't mastered it or whatever and it's still oh my gosh at some point structural. I hired like a salsa instructor because it was like yeah I mean even now when I think about packing my salsa shoes it's still like I want to go take a lesson where it's like really organized and whatever but you know I will now go to like Zumba and do the things by myself but and my husband doesn't dance like he says he dances but he doesn't do any like dancing where a partner would be involved in some way so, right or required to interact in some way so Eric doesn't even seem um, to dance although we took dance lessons and he was one of the best in the class it's like I suck I'm like listen they did this thing where they mixed us up and annoyed, annoyed the fuck out of me because this is date night but um some of these guys they suck so bad you they're not even trying they're like <laughs> middle school sway back and forth their arms down by their sides I'm like yeah I don't want to dance with you loser and I don't know why, I don't know how they did it, but there's this place in Denver called La Rumba and they had instructors that came in, but they also would just have like lessons before the club opened. And there was always a disproportionate male to female ratio where there were way more men. And that was also like a really fun dynamic, which never exists. Like if you're going to take ballroom or anything else, or you don't find yeah. some miraculous place like that. Like you're gonna but in latin culture like women love to dance so men better learn to dance and so like there was a lot of men learning to dance to meet women and stuff so it was really like a fun environment because you just got to interact with a lot of different people and play and goof around and it was fun and oh this is what i think part of what you're talking about too is like there were so many lessons in dancing about space and respect and the flirtation of it like I was very you know like in my head about a lot of it but I learned a lot too yeah yeah it was and I want to give Sherry some really oh I said her name I don't think she'll care I mean (laughs) I want to give my friend who's going through like I want to give her some really practical some of my best lessons but I think now leading back to Alison Armstrong like I can't even remember the three stages so you for sure have to do it but there's a book that there's a there's an audible recording of one of her talks called celebrating partnership and um in addition to like lynn in my pocket that book about um the science of men and women and how they're different and all kinds of things that just started to stick in my head like women start looking for a commitment about nine months into a relationship they're not happy if they're not and like really looking at like biology versus um you know, like look at what the biology and history is driving and then engage in intentional partnership. But Allison loves men and, you know, her recordings are funny and well done. And I definitely like anybody who's starting to date or think about dating again, um, as a woman for sure should listen to. 
to that yeah. recording. Yeah. So what I was really interested in, in the context of this podcast and flirting in play is her concept that um, men kind of move linearly through stages, like, and she calls oh, yeah. them, you know, knight, prince, king, you know, and they, like, when they're a knight, they're like this. And when they're a prince, they're like this. And like, when they're a king, you'll never change them, like, love them or leave them kind <laughs> of thing, right? But that... Um, women tend to flit between three different personas our whole lives and it's not a complete picture and it's just a mental model oh yeah no it's totally in the context of flirting yeah because that's totally what one of the things that was happening for you um is uh and and it's just a mental model that she constructed it's not the whole truth you know whatever but it's useful in this context and so she talked about our three personas and also that one of the things why men find us so like fascinating and mysterious is because you, you really could be getting one, one of three versions at any point. Um, right. And you she could talked be running about a corporation and then two minutes, seconds later be doing, you know, some other you know, right. play. And diff- I don't even remember the different stages, but that was so, a good distinction. Yeah. So the three are the temptress, the mother and the queen. Yeah. Um, and she oh, said, do you like that- how I could only remember the work part. Because of work, did you remember? Yeah, it's like if you were working, for example, and then like you stopped working and you did that other thing, the non maybe a guy would be interested. What's that? The non work beaver. Um, it's so funny because, um, in Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection, and she talks about cultivating play and rest. And she was going through her data because all of her books are based on research, right? She's a researcher more than anything, and she's going through this data and she's like, these wholehearted people like sure goof off a lot and whoever she was talking to was like what do you mean and she's like they just kind of like do stuff and there's no point to it and they just do it for fun and she's like I didn't even know yeah she even laughs about like I was describing play and I I was so disconnected from play I was like it's that thing like they're not really doing anything productive and they're just like having fun, I guess. <laughs> and she kind of talks about it like that. Um, so the three stages that she are the temptress mother and the queen. And she said, men play with the temptress and it's not just mm. sexual. Like the temptress is, right. is all play. They play with the temptress. They get nurtured by the mother and they serve the queen. Mm. And that you really have to embody all three of them. And one of the things that women, especially women in like middle life, um, and I don't mean midlife, like fifties, but I mean like the middle phase of life, um, we get stuck in the mother role and then we get pissed that everybody just wants stuff from us and never gives Mm -hmm. anything else. But, and she talks about like, you don't, Walmart can't get mad that you come to it for groceries and you never give it a present because (laughs) that's what Walmart is. Right. And so she said, when we get stuck in the mother role, people just come and they take from us all the time. Take, 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 because that's what we have on offer. Mm. Um, and that play is, and she, you know, she says, and also the temptress, she's like, the temptress can get us in trouble in our teens and twenties. And so sometimes we'll put her on the shelf because, you know, she's the one most likely to get us into trouble, but it's not just about sexuality. It really is about all that play and then serving the queen. And so if you only ever stay in the mother role, No one thinks you're fun and no one does anything for you because the temptress is the fun one. And the queen is the one that men especially love to serve. And I actually took this um, more into my workplace than Mm. my, um, than my marriage, because I already had it pretty well managed in my marriage. Like I play with Eric a lot. Like we, we laugh a ton. You guys have your whole own language. 
Yeah. Yeah. And all these silly little things that we do that are just like ridiculous. Um, and, and I, I mean, love we've been... the sound, like when we're, you and I are on the phone and like Eric is hearing you say something and then he's interjecting something, which right. shows, I mean, he's not interrupting, but he's interjecting. And then you, and he gets this tone in his voice. That's like, I mean, I can see his face. It's just fantastic. And then I don't ever understand. And then you have to explain it to me because right. it's now your own whole laughing. world. Yeah. You're like, he made and two jokes with one sentence. Yeah, he did. He did. He made a double joke the other day. Um, he made one for you, but he put it in the form of an inside joke for me. So like, so I got two <laughs> jokes and you got one. Um, but like, we've been rewatching reruns of Downton Abbey and we sit and make fun of it and just like make all these stories. And um, when Riley was really little, um, we created some, well, I created the personas, but then he started the thing with her favorite show. Um, she used to love to watch well, no, so let me do the personas. This is a total squirrel, but it's funny. When she was little, um, she was such a cranky, colicky baby when she was first newborn. And so we created this persona called Gert because um, she was just like such a cranky little bitch at that time. She just never happy. <laughs> and so we pretended she was this little old lady named Gert and that she had this big plastic purse with like half a thing of orange certs way in the bottom covered in lint and, <laughs> and she'd be sitting fussing and be, we'd go, where's my shawl? Where's my purse? Like that. And it just kind of helped us deal with it. And then um, when she was a little older, we had her in this little play thing, you know, those little um, shoot, what's it called? I can't think, but you like, it's like uh, an extra saucer. So you put them in it and they can kind of go around they're like, right. they're in place, but they can turn around. And she just played so wildly with that thing. And especially she would bang the phone. There's this phone and she'd bang it. And she'd go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we pretended she was this lady named, um, what was her name? Her her assistant was Henderson and he was the owner's nephew and he was completely worthless. Mrs. Heffenpepper, that's who she was. So Mrs. Heffenpepper. <laughs> and she's like, Henderson, you idiot. You know, but she couldn't fire him because he was the owner's nephew. And she had an import expert business. And then we made up that the dog was part of it too. And like, she bought these boxes from him and um, he advertised that his boxes were 18% less, but really it meant that they came with no bottoms and Henderson fell for it. Um, and then the dog had a second company where he only sold box bottoms at this huge markup. And it, like, we just had all, so we play a ton and it's part of how we deal with like that cranky little colicky baby could have been something hideous, but it ended up being something funny because we turned yeah. her into Gert. And right. it just helped us deal. But anyway, I took this concept more into work because um, everybody on my team was a little bit different. And so I would offer them whatever it and was. And all men. And all men. Yeah, they had all men working for me. And it's like, well, this one likes, you know, he likes to play. And so I'm in, I play with him because that's what he wants. And this one, this and this one, that. But remembering to turn on the queen. Um you know, they would like, I built a team that they would really do anything I asked them to, obviously, because I didn't ask them to do anything ridiculous or abusive, but turning on that queen persona is part of how to do that. And so you would, I would say that you had your temptress, like totally turned off for all the reasons that you said, like, she gets you in trouble. She doesn't kiss dating goodbye. She, <laughs> you know, has premarital sex. She's the evil, you know, <laughs> like right. the red woman right and so that meant that you can't just shut down your sexuality without all... that shit right and but you can't shut that down without shutting down play too because it's it's the same right yeah it's really good so describe the three things more 
because I remember it a little bit, but I want to talk more about them. So the, uh, so the, the temptress, temptress is like, how does that show up? Of Obviously, like we can all picture like the red woman, like you just said, but like explain how it, how it works. So she's the flirty like one. She's fun. She plays. She's the sexual one. I mean, I, I don't know much more about it than I've only ever read her free stuff. <laughs> just but I think, I mean, there was a lot of times where I was like, okay, so I did the thing. I said the funny thing. Like I was now, am I supposed to like, like he thinks he's going to come over and I'm just going to take all my clothes off and get like, there was really a lot of like, I didn't know that I could switch back and forth and like that it was just what it was without being like, something I had to then later like deliver on and you would be like oh my god Allie that's not what he thinks is going to happen because you made a joke about something you know like you really had to like reframe because I even still now am not good at switching so that's part of why I love that we're having this conversation now because I'm like yeah and nobody wants to be married or dating the queen all the time either and so like the switching back and forth and my husband is like the ultimate at play a goofy I mean even while this crisis has been going on he dressed up like a Roman gladiator and picked me up from the airport one night <laughs> like at 11 30 at night he's standing in the Bozeman airport with his sword and his I mean I have a picture of it but it's you know the kind of well, goofy just like likes to delight me and play is so much fun and also what I think what you just said isn't even inside the Allison Armstrong distinctions because um I think what you're talking about is flirting is its own thing, right? It doesn't like flirting and sex. I mean, obviously some flirting is like leads to seduction or whatever, but flirting isn't seduction. Like I still flirt way differently, obviously as a married woman, I still flirt way different. I flirt, but I flirt way differently than I would as a single person because, but there's like an art and a dance. Like there's a place to enjoy the differences between men and women that right. exists inside a flirtation where you both know that this is just play and it's very hard to create it. Like I can imagine people listening to this. Oh, that's so disrespectful to your husband, but there's like, like flirting used to be in. So art. I have a really good way. Like word so I, I love that you said this because I was even saying to my daughter, my daughter, Peggy, my older daughter this week, like, you know, in my first marriage, I had an agreement, which I think is fine, um, where I wasn't with another man alone without somebody else there. Like that was very common. And that was, a long, you know, and probably still is. Now I wouldn't even imagine that in my current marriage. And a lot has changed in the last, you know, dozen years. However, um, there was, why did I say that? Oh, but she had made some comment that was kind of playful. And her boyfriend was unhappy about it. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that's like, you're not inviting anything. You're just playing. And there's a way that men and women are so great together when they play that doesn't lead to somebody's dick accidentally falling in somebody else's vagina. Like everything is not black and white like that. And we lose a lot of the beauty between men and women when we, when we make it like that, I think. Right. Like what I call flirting it is, it covers a huge range and it includes a playfulness that acknowledges I'm a woman and you're a man. Like there's a way, so getting back to work. So somebody at work, one of the younger guys, um, he said, he was talking about something about people in their twenties or whatever. I forget what it was. And he had just turned 30 or 31. I can't remember. 
And um, he was talking something about in the twenties. And I looked at him and I said, but you're not, but you're not in your twenties anymore. And I gave him this huge wink. And then we both super <laughs> laughed. And like the wink would have been completely weird if we were two women and especially weird if we were two men. Right. But there's like a flirtatiousness to it that is absolutely zero about intercourse, but a hundred percent about like, there's an additional dimension to the way that we can play together because he's a man and I'm a woman and like I'm married and he just got married and there's zero about right there's nothing sexual sexual, right right and I think in my life there was either sexual leading to sex or there was you know business like you know like (laughs) right right. yeah and there's this whole playful dynamic where you tease and you joke and you and the and the male woman dynamic it's all I consider it all flirting um but it's not it, it doesn't go anywhere. It's its own thing. It's its own kind of, it's like a, a flavor of playing with somebody. Right. And there's no risk in it either, because that's part of some of the dance stuff that came in. Like typically men are, I mean, there's assholes, right. But I mean, for the most part in this process, I found like men are super respectful and they're like, they, they, like, they know, like they know the dance and some men are just jerks. I'm not saying that, but for the most right. I mean, part, there's, when there's guys I who will send, go ahead no there's a guy who will send like I I have thank god I never dated in the internet age but <laughs> I mean like unsolicited pictures of penises like dick pics is a thing so those are guys right. who don't understand the dance right like in right. fact someone was talking about unsolicited dick pics today and I got to pull in our favorite joke that we created a long time ago where I said, um, the only appropriate response to an unsolicited dick pic is to say, what is that? I can't quite tell. It looks like a penis, <laughs> but smaller. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have another friend who was divorced and talking about dating. And she was kind of like excited. Like I'm ready. Cause I know this is a thing now, but now there are dick pics. And I was like, no, no, I don't think that that's something you have to, the guy who's sending you a dick pic is still probably an asshole. Like maybe she was, maybe that's wait, the wrong she was excited about getting a dick pic. Yeah, she was like, okay, I know it's a thing now. It's just part of dating. What I should expect? And I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but I mean, like, she wanted that? I don't understand. That was, yeah, like, there was some excitement of like, all right, I'm preparing myself for getting the getting the dick pics. I'm like, oh my gosh. Ooh. Like, it was like no. going to be a reward because that's how dating is now. And I was like, mm-mm. Ugh, no, no. So. mm And I, I was reading But maybe she like, is more interested in dick pics than the average woman. I, no, I she should never tell anyone. We need to let them all know. And that's why I'm so <laughs> glad that they finally introduced the pinching emoji because I think that should only be the response to an unsolicited dick pic. What's a pinching emoji? Like it's the emoji where you, the finger and the thumb are held really close together. It's like teeny tiny. It looks yeah, like, like a... <laughs> it looks like a penis, but smaller. But um, <laughs> I mean, those are guys who are not properly engaging in the dance anyway. Like there's there is zero flirtation between like, hey, how are you? Here's a picture of my junk. Like that is so right, disgusting right. and not fun and not like, I mean, whatever. If couples want to do that and there's consensualness do whatever I don't that's care totally different do whatever but that's right. not the like they're not playing by the rules and that's a guy who would be like if you if I winked at him he'd be like so where's my blowjob um that's not how any of this works right and that's kind of what I was like afraid of is that there wasn't 
a dance that it was like a to b and so i mean you used to joke like what do you think sex is like you lay on the bed spread eagle like let's get it on <laughs> it's like i mean i know that's not what it is but there was like like you just skip all the things or something and yeah yeah and like i i have seduction distinct from flirting too Yes. Oh, that was a really good way of putting it. So now I want to say the way you, one of the things that you, I, this is probably going to be like where we're going to have to wrap to for this. We clearly need to have continue this conversation. But one of the things you did was really distinguish the way boys were playing. So I'm going to tell about the first time I went to John's house and then you tell how you created it. Yeah. So, we've told this on the podcast before, but go ahead. Oh, we have. Yeah, about his bed. Get in my bed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna do it anyway. So I w- went to John's house, and he was like, um, and I was already a little nervous because I had been flirting, and I was like, not sure if I was sending messages I didn't want to send. But of course, like my husband's not one of those dick pic guys, so there wasn't any concern. Um, also, and he was treating me be, like, let's be totally forthright and legitimately honest that he would probably need you to send him 10 direct flirtatious messages for him to pick up one. <laughs> He's I like, don't know. I mean, my one was too. so good when we first met. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, he, uh, but, but an invitation to play, he would pick up on instantly. So an invitation as far to play, as like absolutely. play being in flirt and flirtatious. So. No, but so, I mean, like if you were, if you were, if you tried to send him a signal that you did want sex, in like a, a subtle way, you would probably right. have to do that a half a dozen times at least before. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that might be true. Not so, like the flirtatious thing Eric sent me. Should I say that on the podcast? Maybe I don't want Riley to hear it. But if I laid on the bed spread eagle, he'd probably know exactly what was happening. So it's okay. Yes, sure. Uh, so I, um, I go to his house and like, he's taking me through like thing after thing after like, and here's my bed, get in it, it's zero gravity and light. I was like, I'm gonna, your first, one of your first things lay in my zero gravity bed. And, you know, like he has this giant dragon on the wall that's like maybe got like a 10 foot wingspan from how to train your dragon. And I think if I had not been starting to engage in play, like I would have been like the fuck, I'm dating a giant child, which I am, I'm now married to a giant child. But now it's yeah. like one of the most delightful things because le- like, we'll go ahead. Like you re- you recreate what you, cre- like how you kind of created about how boys are different than girls when it comes to play. Right. Well, and like sharing the toys. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you came, when you came home and you called me and you're like, he showed me this and or he, he had me lay in his bed and then you created the whole thing. I was like, oh no, he's just, he's showing you his Legos. Like he wants to show you, I call it showing their Legos. Like he wants to show you all of his favorite things um, yes. because they're his favorite things. And he wants you to also enjoy them. <laughs> and it's like when little kids, I mean, little kids all do it. But there's something really distinct about the way little boys do it, where they're like, look at this and look at this. And this is my favorite Lego. And this is my favorite Lego. Like, um, have you seen the movie uh, Ready Player One? Yeah. Um, where he first meets the girl and they go to the uh, H's workshop. And he's like, look at this, look at this, look at this. And H is like, why are you showing her all my shit? And shuts the thing down and goes, sorry, he gets really nervous around pretty girls. <laughs> because like, <laughs> he just wants to show the, like, these are so cool. This is the coolest. Look at my cool thing. And that's just one of yeah. the ways that they engage with you. Like they want to show you their Legos. 
And right. so his and bed wasn't a creepy invitation to have sex with him. It was showing you his Legos. Right. He didn't even be, get in. He to just stood beside it with the controllers. And that's the, um, that idea of like, I mean, I had two boys, right? So like, I could remember so often the boys, mom, watch me, watch me. And once I could get like, that, that was part of, like, that was part of the play. It's like running up to your mom and going, look, look at this cool thing. Watch. They weren't like, please, will you play Legos with me? Not usually. I mean, occasionally. Right. No, they want to show you the finished Legos. But way more they want to show off the process or like, watch me jump off this thing. And that is still like one of the best things about even engaging in that in the workplace. Like, show me what awesome thing you did. And I would never say that to a woman probably the same way, but it wouldn't be like as delightful created kind of the same way. And I love, um, I love that distinction and and I mean, I can remember all the time, like, look at my books and look at my man cave and look at the mm-hmm. things. And um, it became like such a lovely part of our relationship, like that he even, um, he would bring uh, like the big, the dragon became obviously a pun for like, has he showed you his dragon? Um, and then, um, but it became a joke. Like, I know you're going to marry me when you give me your dragon. He was like, I'm not giving you my dragon. And then of course, when we got engaged, he gave me his dragon. Mm-hmm. So um, now I have a giant 10 foot dragon on my wall, but um, it's so fun. Like it is fun and silly and goofy. And like that space of play, I do think we lose, we, I don't know, we lose it or we don't understand the dance. And like, we don't understand how kind, I think that was what I got is like, he was giving me his best delight by showing me his toys. And sometimes when he, I listen to him even now come and describe work and what happens, like he's doing the same thing. Like, look at my skills, look at my, what I did, like, Mm -hmm. look at, you know, like how I participated and how other people valued me. And it is a really different conversation. And so that part of that is, is good. Right. Like Eric does that too. He'll come home and describe the minutiae of optical designs he's on he's doing <laughs> and yeah. I would say I, I understand them him better than most women would but for the most part it's mostly I have no idea what he's talking about but it doesn't yeah. matter because he wants to demonstrate his favorite stuff and what he wants from me is my attention and admiration and I'm happy to give that he doesn't he's not interested in my comprehension Right. Um, it's the, oh, I wow. Mean, that's great. Yeah. Like, he's how not, did that part go? Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's not uninterested in that, but like, it's just a different way of engaging. Yeah. It's, and I think knowing that that, what, like, that was a really big piece. And I, that's probably one of the pieces, even though that's not that flirtatious, like, I really did grasp is like, I didn't have to get out and be like, oh, let me play like Peter Pan too. Like, I could just love you know, like John would curate, like I'd go over to his house and he'd play like his favorite clips of different movies. And I don't even really like to watch TV that much. So like, it was like the best thing ever. Like, hey, all I have to do is show up and you have already found the best part of America's Got Talent or something. And like, you just play the best ones and tell me the stories about them. Like that kind of stuff. And John loves theater or movies and stuff like that. So enjoying that letting him show off and letting him act like I would have let one of my sons, not in a, um, infantilizing way, but yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But just yeah. in like, Oh, this is men at their best. And I think it would be hard to date and really enjoy men without that 
piece. Yeah, and I'm glad you keep saying the dance of it because the fact that you were learning salsa at the same time as I was giving you like some remedial <laughs> flirting lessons was really useful <laughs> because it really is like play and flirtation at its best is like a dance where there are some rules, but right. mostly what's fun is that it's not prescribed. So like if you're dancing salsa with someone, there's moves and there's rules, but you don't sit down and choreograph a whole routine and then say, okay, let's go. Because that right. that's not flirtation, right? <laughs> but, right? but there are still rules and boundaries, right? Like you don't want to step on each other's feet and you want to know like if he moves his arm this way, then, then the most fun thing is for me to go in the direction he's moving my arm because now we're going to spin. Um, right. And so that is really, I mean, we didn't even tell any of the funny stories about teaching you how to flirt. It was just, there aren't any really particularly individual funny stories. It's more like, to me, it was funny to me, number one, that you didn't have these skills, not funny, like making fun of you, but like, I can't comprehend that. <laughs> and also I had right. to really reach for, okay, like, what do I do? And I remember Eric told me actually early in our marriage that um, he used to sometimes get upset when I flirted. And then he realized that I flirt indiscriminately as a way of just right. engaging with people. And then he's like, oh, it doesn't mean anything because it's, and it does sound, to say flirting, it sounds so bad because it, it sounds, sounds like I'm play. hitting like, on people. I've, I'm playing with you. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, I just like, I genuinely enjoy people and I especially enjoy men. And so engaging with them in a way that acknowledges the difference is right. I count as flirtation, but it's not like hitting on someone. It's not like that. But to tap into like, gosh, I don't even remember, not even remember, but like, I don't even know what we talked about. It's almost like telling someone how to drive a car and remembering like, oh yeah, you have to put your foot on the brake before you push the starter. I forgot about that. Um, because you just <laughs> I know, do it so I always want you to like, create more content around this because it was so valuable for me and even talking about it I'm like yeah like my like John Lozana um he's been getting to be in like an extra in some local movies and stuff but he loves theater and this is like I mean this is like the least like my the like the worst way I could possibly think to spend my day is like sitting around as an extra and like I'm like this sounds terrible but he loves the, I mean, he's been a stand and he's been doing some other things and he loves it. And so I'm like, yeah, I can play instead of like, hurry up. I got shit to do. I can be like, how, tell me all the things. Like, how did your adventure go? Like those, those are parts of just bringing in like play and fun versus like, I just got to pack boxes. But I want to tell the story of when John and I met, because this is kind of the icing on the cake. And then it's been all downhill for him since then. But um, <laughs> actually, maybe not. Because, right, like, I can think of ways that I've really invited him to play and, like, loved and celebrated that part of our of our, our life. Like, not really yeah. in the last couple months. But He, he didn't so, realize how much of, I was pulling the puppet strings in some of those original flirtatious exchanges. <laughs> you did such a good idea. They, things just popped out. I mean, such a good job. Things just popped out. And then I got all the credit. Which is kind of basically most of our relationship. What should I text this back to him? Text this back. Text. I'm like, what is this about? So, um, and actually like, I'm, it even makes me think like when we were dating, he sent me um, 
that Africa song, like I bless the rains down in Africa. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that 10,000 men, you know, could do. He just sent me that text. And I was like, I didn't know because I know no pop culture. And I was like, I think we've told this story too, but I was like, what? what and then sherry came over and was like uh yeah that's a that's a song and i was like okay because i was like maybe he's making up really bad really weird poetry like i don't know what to do with this there was plenty (laughs) of like i don't understand but um we met at my friend clara's wedding who was the reason i learned salsa dance and john was um the captain that night but he was working there as the catering manager at this event center and I was kind of her wedding bitch because everybody else was having lots of drama. So I got to step in and, and do that. Never, never, if you don't have to be the person who picks up the wedding cake. That is one of the most stressful things like transporting a wedding cake. But anyway, yeah. so I get there and he's like, who's my point person? And they introduce us and there was a little like chemistry right away, which I was so shut off. Like even the fact that that happened was like, you know, a thing, part of like the fact that like, I was like, oh, and I remember thinking like, it's going to be a long night and I'm the last person who's going to leave. So I think I'm going to entertain myself by practicing flirting with that, the cute guy. And, um, at some point, uh, we, uh, I was getting up to the bathroom and he walked by and said, when are we going to see your dance moves? And I said, I like to save all my best moves through my clothes are off. And then I just walked off to the bathroom and that was probably the greatest pinnacle of any flirtation that will ever happen. I I was like a proud mother. Like it's like that moment in karate kid, (laughs) you know, where Mr. Miyagi's like, you did it. That's awesome. You pulled off the move. You did the (laughs) clean thing. And John describes like being struck completely speechless and like taking the fork out of some guy's mouth while he wasn't done with it. Like, and then I was in the bathroom talking to somebody for a really long time, you know, how women do. And then like we are now. And then um, when I came out, he like beelined it for me. And then like later that night, he like gallantly took off his apron and like asked me to dance and like, you know, all that stuff that never would have happened without all the all the practice and play but um even after that I was like Lynn is he like so he texted me like that night he's like I'm gonna but there was a lot of games even in that like he gave me his phone number and I was like I don't like that so I took one of the Jenga blocks from their wedding Jenga block thing that they had people write messages on and like wrote my phone number and was like yeah you call me (laughs) and um like all the little play and dance that just happened in an, in an evening, right? Like it was super fun. But then afterward, I was really nervous. Like, does he think I'm just going to show him all my best moves right away? Cause also I don't have any of those. And you were like rolling your eyes, like calm down. Yeah, that's know? not how this works. And that's the thing is like, that's such a supremely great example of a cute flirtatious thing to say. Um, And almost inside a marriage, you might still say that because it's playful and it's a little funny and it's obviously so over the top, right? Like it's such a ridiculously over the top thing to say. Like no (laughs) one, like who would say that and mean it? Like a person who says that and means it is being ridiculous. Is the same person who's sending dick pics. Right. And, and anybody who would expect you like who's like out waiting by your car going, so we're going to have sex in the back seat now because you said that is a ridiculous lunatic. Right. It's there's no and now I know it's that. just cute. Right. It's just and cute as a married woman funny. now, of course, I would never say that to anybody else. 
that's where it leans like you know there's a there of course are lines around flirtation and the kind of fun play versus like you know in a really the dance inside a marriage changes a lot of those things but I think we get the idea that we just turn it off that line could almost work even inside a a marriage a marriage if you said it with the right expression on your face would you said it with a smirk rather than a promise you you say it in front of their friends while you're walking away with them there but like you wouldn't say it to another guy as well all I was saying like obviously you know there's lines when you're gonna like ways you're gonna say and joke around about stuff but I did think I gave Sherry really good advice about things to text back because she was giggling and like you know I was like here are three things I haven't done since COVID and like any one of these would be good or like you don't know me well enough like there's so many fun ways to like giggle and play and like if you're dating you don't want to text back like I want this this and this oh I remembered one of the other things who was that Matthew guy he wrote Matthew somebody crap there's a guy guy. he wrote a whole bunch of content about dating he has a bunch of YouTube videos he's like gives women advice about dating I have no idea who you're talking about. Flirting and different things like that. Like I needed like real examples. And so I remember like, you know, he had like (laughs) a laughing. I'm laughing at you watching YouTube to learn to flirt and like taking notes for (laughs) it's not something I would ever do. No, no. I was totally like, I remember taking notes like here, like, I think he had a thing like 10 texts that will get a guy's attention or something like that. Like not like, I mean, he get, I thought some of his advice and the respect for women was like, just really, really good content. And I've recommended his stuff to other people since then. But if you're not doing it, you kind of need to prime the prime the pump a little bit. Like, I mean, sometimes I'll listen to a book that has a really great funny thing in it. And I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to use that on John. Or, like, it reminds me to like play with him. But I'm obviously very stunted in this area. But I do think women like you get locked into running the house and be mom and we forget to to flirt and play and then yeah remembering like the rules really aren't that different if you haven't dated for 20 years like you just forgot to like you just don't use the skills the same way or the the I don't know skills isn't really the right way I meant to to capture that but there was a lot of a lot of fun and I have a lot of good ideas for you know how to play with John this week because we're going to be away again apart from each other again so it's a time to maybe let off some of the stress in our life by playing together because right now there's no room for anything other than just how do we get through every day and there's so many logistics like I haven't been playing and I'm I'm not really the queen I'm kind of like the Nazi mom like yeah you have to to do the things you're 100% in mom mode and and the thing is is like mom mode is when we tend to nag too because no one does anything for mom they expect mom to do things for them like 30 Rock even made a joke about that where she was really resentful of that her staff didn't invite her out for drinks and stuff. And they're like, you're like our mom. You don't want your mom to play with you. You want your mom to protect you. Yeah. So since we talked about Temptress and Queen, describe mom a little bit more. I mean, mom, I think, is the one everyone's most familiar for or familiar with. People come to mom for stuff. She's the one who gives you things. She nurtures. She protects. She nourishes. Um, and people but take inside- stuff and- walk away the marriage like how does that end up getting to be or a relationship how does that end up getting like kind of locked in because well I mean culturally I think it's a big culturally too 
we tend to get locked into that service role. Women, especially, I mean, we just did a whole podcast about the unseen work of women. Like the mom role is the one who serves and society is like, Ooh, that's our favorite one. I mean, once you, once you're not hot enough to be the temptress anymore, (laughs) like when you're young, (laughs) society's like, show us your tits. Um, Right. But uh, I joke about like, um, going to New Orleans and having someone say, show your tits and then like lifting the hem of your skirt above your knees, you know, only that far. <laughs> like once you're there, then they are not interested in the temptress. Like, and that's another thing too, right? Like women are told to shut their temp, mm-hmm. like their temptress is gross and not welcome anymore. Once they're past a certain age, weight, height of nipples, whatever. Yeah. You know, having, once you're no or longer kids or, right. Breastfeeding yeah, yeah. or whatever. It's yeah, true. Yeah. And all you have to do is go to a really great salsa club and you'll see like, you know, women in their eighties getting down, like amazing. Like, and those are some of the most beautiful, you know, be- expressions of, you know, femininity and dance and play. And like, why, why lose that? Like, I'm going to want to yeah. still get busy when I'm old. And um, I think there's another conversation that we should have on this, which is a different way of looking at the phases of women, which is uh, the maiden mother crone. And so the maiden, is, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? What I just said. And if you want to make like hard distinctions on it, the maiden is like kind of who you are before you come into your full fertility and sexuality and whatever. And then like right. a lot of places say like before your period, but I think you stay in maiden even after your period for a few years and then mother it's pretty obvious. Like those are your fertile years. Those are your productive years. Mm-hmm. You're taking care of whatever. And then like menopause and beyond is the crone years. There's this movement to reclaim the crone label as something positive. And for the most part, you and I have alluded to that on this podcast. Like we have discarded that role of women that once you're yeah. no longer, you know, now you're this dried up husk, you have nothing to offer. You're not hot and you're not nourishing <laughs> anybody. So, you know, go on the shelf, but that's, that's where we have all that locked in wisdom. And I was just getting coached today talking about, I want to start describing myself as like, I'm giving birth to myself as a crone. Like I'm connecting with who I am as a mystic and giving birth to myself as a crone. Like I'm not that old yet. Right. Like menopause is still a ways away, but that stepping into that wise woman role. And like, I was talking to the coach and I'm like, yeah, there's no woman Dumbledore, right? Like in Harry Potter, we have, and like men still get you know, the elder statesman and the wise old wizard. And like, there's all these roles for older men that respect and honor their experience and their seasoning and their wisdom. But where's the equivalent? Like even in Harry Potter, you have professor McGonagall, but she's not really the equivalent. Like she's more like a super strict mom, but, but she's not like this idea of a wise woman that people would go to for advice and stuff. Like she's still kind of running the show, very um, utilitarian. And so just in the same way that we like want to, we society try to maximize the mother role. Once, once we're done using up the temptress, we want to maximize the mother role because that's where we get the most stuff. Um, and, and we don't want the queen cause that's who you serve, but like the queen and the crone in a way are very related too, because like the wise woman leading and using her seasoning and her experience and everything and like pulling for service. Um, that's right. a beautiful role for women to be in, but for the most part, society is like, no, nah, we'll take the mom. We'll take the hottie. Yeah. And then once she's boned out, we'll take the mom. <laughs> boned out. Yeah. Um, I, obviously I that's also, not something I would ever say. I'm taking the words out of someone else's <laughs> mouth. Society, yes. Right. I just made me laugh. But, um, I, I, first of all, I, please do, you have to make better language. Like 
maybe you're becoming the queen, but I feel like the word crone is like the worst. Nobody should even want to be that person. It no, there's a way better language. I hate it. No, there's it. a reclaim of it. The same as bitch. No, I don't. I hate Crone, that. hag, and witch. People are reclaiming it. Yes. I don't like any of those. Too bad. That's no, because I'm not. they used to all be positive and they've been turned into something icky because we don't want the wise old woman. I'm going to stick with the Alison Armstrong verbiage, I think. But it's not the same distinction, though. All right. Well, I'm not very good at these distinctions yet. So I'm going to, I just don't like it. Like, I know there's, there's a lot, like we've talked around the edges of why those distinctions are like, and reclaiming and like a lot of the heritage of women and how women have been oppressed and stuff. But I still just, I'm like, eh, I don't know. It's not, it doesn't feel, it still doesn't feel generative to me. Like there's so many ways to say positive things about women that I'm like, I'm not involved in that conversation, at least not yet. Then you need to come up with a better name because the movement is to reclaim that for that distinction, because that's what it was. It's a really is a reclaiming because that's what it was before. Well, it was this positive thing. It was the wise woman that you went to. And then the patriarch turned her into a witch, like somebody, like a, creepy shriveled up old woman that nobody mm-hmm. wanted who was scary and who ate children and you know <laughs> yeah. what the Hansel and Gretel and I like wise woman like that resonates with me but I've never heard the word crone used positively if I'm not sure it needs to be reinvented reclaim plus what are cronies aren't those like little groupies that's a different that's different it has nothing to do with it all right well I it's don't like, like ham and hamburger them. not being really <laughs> <laughs> okay i feel like i should tell the story about my mom's beaver really fast and then we should <laughs> just to get a closure <laughs> and, we'll wrap it. <laughs> and, and, and for those of you joining us for the first time on this podcast it's not what you think so continue when you said i want to pack my mom's beaver and i said with what <laughs> so it's not um, that it's not that we're packing the really important things, you know, we're like half moving to Salt Lake. So I was packing my mom's beaver that she had when I was a child, child. And I made, I told her on my drive home, like, have you been listening to my podcast? She's like, Oh, I forgot. So I sent her the one about beavers and um, what's it called? Lions and tigers and beavers. No, you bunnies and beavers and whales. Oh my. <laughs> oh my. Yes. So I sent her that and she was like, that was so good. And then she goes, but the beaver, what happened is your brother made me a beaver in school. And then like as a craft project, and then I lost it and I was really worried. So I bought a beaver, a stuffed beaver. Like maybe my brother wasn't going to notice that the thing made by like a machine was, you know, not his beaver and then later she found his beaver and then that turned into like a few people get and then my dad gave her a beaver which I didn't really get into that description but anyway there's only still today one beaver so I I don't know if that clarified the beaver story with my mom but I'm still going to tell people my mom had a beaver collection (laughs) I think it's fair an inadvertent beaver collection and that is a place to end <laughs> yep, the beavers coming right. to Utah. Beavers, the beavers coming to Utah is now the name of the podcast. <laughs> People listen to the whole thing and be like, "I don't understand." I don't, I don't know what, where is this going? All right, well, we'll see you next time in the ladies' in room. Ladies' room. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to catch us in the ladies' room. 
You can also find Lynn at A Spacious Life on Facebook, Instagram, and in Clubhouse. And find Allie at 5 Billion Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thank you.